Open your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. How many of you young people already went back to school? You've already started school again. Hold your hands up. Hold them up high. All right. <laughs> Wade's had a hard time getting out of school. All right. How many of you, you'll start this coming week? You're getting ready to start. Would you raise your hands? How many of you homeschoolers don't have any idea when you're starting? Yeah. Look at the moms that look half crazy. Those are the homeschooling mothers. <laughs> As I was driving back from Colorado, you know, there's a, there's a lot of time to think as you're driving. And I was thinking about the young people heading back to school. And I'm going to tell you some things that, just some things that are on my heart as your pastor. But secondly, some things that I wish people had told me when I was a young person. Now, I had good parents, and I had good youth directors. Um, and I'll bet you they actually did tell me this stuff. I just didn't listen, right? But I'm going to give you an opportunity to hear it again. And, and uh, I want you to think about engaging your school. Our theme for the year is to engage. And we have these different areas of the community we want to engage. We want to begin by engaging Scripture. Then we can engage family, the world, neighbors, friends, and the culture. Part of that is for you young people to engage your school. You know what song I've had in my head? Now, somebody's going to get mad at me. I've had this song in my head. Be true to your school. Remember, how many of you remember that? How many of you don't have any idea what I'm talking about with that? Look at this. How many of you people feel old now that half the church doesn't have any idea what I'm talking about? I want you to engage. I want you young people to think about engaging your school. Now, Someone here might be here thinking, well, I haven't been in school for a long time. Why is he doing this? Because this is my opportunity to speak to the young people. And I think that if you adults will listen to this, you might have an opportunity to engage your workplace. You'll have a better uh, avenue to pray for our, our young people. And uh, so let's look at this. Go to Second Timothy, I'm sorry, First Timothy chapter 4. Get First Timothy chapter 4. And 2 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy 4 and 2 Timothy 2. Now, young people, i got to tell you this. I love new beginnings. Now, the reason I love new beginnings is because I usually mess something up so bad I needed the next one to be better. But uh, I, I just I love new beginnings. I love our fall kickoff. It's coming up, I think, it's September 7th is the fall kickoff. I love the idea of all the things we're going to introduce for the church and... And I always loved the first day of school. I generally hated about the third day of school, but I loved the first day of school because, I don't know, it's just new. I love new. And what I want you young people to understand is this could be the greatest school year ever for you. This could be the, there could be something happen this year that would be different than every other year that you've been in school. And you might be thinking, man, I've had some great school years. And I'll say this, we got some great young people. So I know you people, you've, you young people, you've taken a stand for the Lord. You've done right. You, you have been an example at your school, among your friends. Even you homeschoolers, you do things on computers. You interact with other people. And you've been a good example. But this year could be better. This year could be better. This could be your greatest year ever. I love the passage in Esther. I'll read it for you. Remember when Esther, Mordecai came to Esther, and she was wondering whether or not she should go in to see the king. And here's what Mordecai said to her in Esther 4.14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, 
Then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, young people, you're in school at a very unusual time. I want you to think about this. Uh, the uprisings that are going on in Ferguson, uh, Missouri, there's all kinds of discussions about that. The ISIS threat, the reporter, he was just beheaded by this animal from England who has gone back and it looks like it was in northern Syria where the beheading took place. And So this, this uh, Islamic caliphate is, is being raised again and you, you'll go to school, and it doesn't matter if you go to the public school or the Christian school or your home school. You're getting information. You're getting all kinds of information that's coming through. As a believer, you need to know how to process this information. And what the, this has been a passion of mine, really, all, all of my life, and that is this. You young people, God has given you the ability to reason biblically. God has you in a church like this that teaches you how to study the Scriptures and how to interpret the Scriptures. And, and then we, we challenge you to read and we give you opportunities to interact with the Word of God. But it's more than just receiving it. You all need to take it and use it as you have opportunity. And many of you do that already. You give people the gospel. You take a stand for the Lord. Some of you have had issues on your sports teams and you have taken a stand for the Lord that's cost you some stuff. And I know that you all have done that. And it's exciting. But we'll have youth activities, and you bring kids from your school or from your neighborhood to the youth activities. What I want you to understand is that you're a leader. You're a leader. Uh, I, I, all through your life, there's going to be someone that's following you, someone that's looking up to you, someone that uses you as their example of what a Christian ought to be. How's that for heavy? What if you are the only Christian that this person knows and their understanding of what a Christian is is based on you? That's pretty heavy, isn't it? It's not really that bad. It's not really that hard. Here's the answer. You ready? Be a Christian. Just live like a Christian. Do the things that you've been taught. Walk in the Spirit and all those things that we're going to look at today. And you will have the influence that God wants you to have. So let's look at a couple things. Get your handouts. And before we look at the handout, go with me to Second uh, Timothy chapter two. Second Timothy chapter two. And look at verse three. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now nobody wants to hear that. Endure hardness. Endure hardness. Things are going to be hard. Endure it as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There's a song, Are You a Soldier of the Lord? And that's a good question. You young people, are you a soldier for Christ? Is that what you are? Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. And I want you to think about something. You're on the battlefield. All right? There's guys coming at you, and you, you've got your military gear. They've got their military gear. They're coming at you. You're in a firefight. You're running. You're hearing orders. You're running. You're trying to do everything. Everything's scared. You see some guy running at you, and you feel something buzz in your pocket. Hold on. I've got to check this text. How many of you think that would be a bad idea? Okay? Bad idea. 
What is that? That's being entangled with the affairs of this life when you're in a war. That's, that's what it is. Here's the problem. I think that many of us, because honestly, life is pretty good. You live in Sydney, Ohio. You know, you come to Grace Baptist Church. I know your homes, your families. Your life is pretty good, right? It doesn't feel like you're in a war. You are. You are. You are in a spiritual warfare right now. You are. And that's why you don't want to become entangled with the affairs of this life. You want to make sure that you are primarily a Christian. And we'll look at that. Go back with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we'll, this will be our text for the day. Look at your handout. Number one is be determined. Be determined. I want to give you young people some ideas as you go back to school. Some of you have already been back for a couple of days. Some of you are getting ready to start. I want to give you some, a, a battle plan. Number one, be determined. Be determined. Look at verse 12. First uh, Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth. Let no man despise thy youth. Letter A, look at this. This could be your greatest year of school ever. This could be your greatest year of school ever. Letter B, before God, be determined to be engaged but not entangled. Engaged but not entangled. Let me give you an example. Bo Bergdahl is a soldier who was in Afghanistan and he really got attached to the Afghani people. And he got to where he didn't like what the American military was doing. So he shipped all of his stuff home and one day just walked away from his unit and went to find the Afghani fighters. Now, first of all, how many of you think that was a bad idea? Okay, so he's held in captivity for how long? Five years? Something like that? Held in captivity for five years. What happened? He got entangled by the enemy. He got entangled with the enemy. That's what happened. And it ended up really bad for him. Now, there's a court case going on right now. They're investigating whether or not he's a deserter. Um, his whole unit thinks he's a deserter. But whether or not the military is going to come down on that, we don't know. They ended up doing that exchange for all of those Taliban, five Taliban fighters. and it just it's, it's a mess. But what happened with Bergdahl? He got entangled with the enemy. You have to determine that you are going to give your allegiance to your commander who is Jesus Christ. If you will give your allegiance to Him, then you understand that the enemy is the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's the enemy. Don't get entangled with the world, the flesh, and the devil and make sure that you are focused on your commander and that is Jesus Christ. Now, so here's the question right now. Already, are you engaged or are you entangled? Are you engaged or are you entangled? Look at letter C. I am determined. I am determined. Number one, to not be ignored. I am determined to not be ignored. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 12 again. Let, let no man despise thy youth. Now remember, in the Bible... To be despised is to be ignored. 
Jesus Christ despised the shame. He ignored the shame. All right? Let no man despise thy youth. You young people, when you go to school, here's what you think. I'm just a kid. What am I going to do? I'm just a kid. I'm just one of the many. That's not what you need to be. You need to be a soldier for Jesus Christ. You need to take a stand for Jesus Christ. You don't need to hide your Christianity. You need to be bold in your Christianity. You need to be determined to live for Christ in your school. Not just among your Christian friends, but that's important. It's important for uh, when, when so Nathan Arling goes to Anna, it's important for him to be an example to the other Christian kids at Anna. Is that right? So it's very important for Nathan to be a good influence on the other Christians in his school who might not necessarily attend Grace Baptist Church. Is that right? But he also needs to be an example among the goth kids. Are there still goth kids? Am I a little unplugged? Not, not anymore? No. Laura was a goth kid that I won out of that. Okay, so whatever the contingent is that would be rejecting of Christianity, those are the people that Nathan needs to take stand before. And not just Nathan, all the kids. Um, we have kids that go to the Christian school. You're homeschooled? That explains it. Mackenzie goes to the Christian school. Well, you go to the Christian school, and here's what people think. Well, there's just going to be Christians at the Christian school. Not necessarily. They might have Christian parents. That doesn't mean that they're Christians. How many of you understand that you can have a Christian parent and an unsaved kid? How many of you understand that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there could be someone who comes from a church whose doctrine is all messed up. That can happen. You all agree with that? That can happen. So <laughs> Mackenzie's going, yeah. So it's Mackenzie's job to be a leader among her Christian friends and among people who are Christians but who profess false doctrine. You can be a leader. When I was in England last September, they had a museum exhibit at Spurgeon's College where Charles Spurgeon, uh, the college that Charles Spurgeon had started. And they had this room with a bunch of memorabilia from uh, Spurgeon's time and they had a book, they had a, a couple of pages from a book, a manuscript that Spurgeon had written when he was 15 on the errors of Catholicism. It was a 500-page book. Mackenzie, you've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> it, it's, this, is, this is really important. Now, Spurgeon ended up being one of the greatest preachers just in history. So I don't expect you kids to write a 500-page book, but I do expect you to be able to defend your faith, either to Christians or non-Christians, and to be determined not to be ignored. Amen? Make, make, a, make a difference. Make a difference. So, number one, I'm determined to not be ignored. And number two, I am determined to be an example. Look at uh, verse 12 again. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the lost people. Be thou an example of Browns fans. I want you to aim higher than that, guys. <laughs> My bears aren't doing too good either, but 
you know, it's still the beginning. I love new beginnings. <laughs> Wait till next year. That's always my motto. Um, but look at what it says. Look at what it says. Be thou an example of the believers. How? Number one, in word. In word. How about the way that you speak? You know, when you're in high school, it's cool to use bad language. It's really not cool to use bad language. Talk like a Christian. Right? Your speech ought to be different. I wonder if you I wonder how much you Christian kids talk about spiritual things at school among your friends. And this is a challenge for for us men. You know, a bunch of guys get together standing around the hallway. Most of the time you're talking about football or or whatever. I wonder how much our conversation is about spiritual things. It, it I wonder how does talking about football, how is that an example in word? It's not, is it? Now, I suppose the way you talk about football could be different. Right? The way you talk, and I love to talk about football. I love to play football. I love all of it. But th- that's, the issue is, as a believer, if someone listened to you speak, would they know you were a Christian? See, there's a difference between not doing wrong and positively doing good. There's a big difference. You, you can be an example by abstaining from bad behavior. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about being an example in the way that you speak. That means you have to speak something that is an example. This is not talking about what you leave out. This is talking about what you add in. Be an example in word. That means you need to know the word of God and you need to speak the word of God. Um, I was telling a story this morning uh, just Josh and I were talking when I was, I don't know, it was probably 1984 or something like that. I went to a wedding in New Jersey. And um, one of the guys who was in the wedding was a real estate developer from Los Angeles, a really wealthy guy. And he was staying at the Waldorf Astoria in New York. He'd gotten this suite at the Waldorf. So a buddy of mine and me, we went and stayed with him in the suite. And let me tell you guys, it was sweet. Okay. <laughs> It was fun. It was, I, you know, I, was, I grew up a poor kid. I'd, I'd never been to the Waldorf, and it was fun. And so I wanted some coffee that morning, and the guy said, just order some, order some up from room service. So they brought this little coffee pot. It was about this big, you know, little silver thing, coffee carafe. Probably had two cups of coffee in it. And I remember 1984, it was $14. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, it tasted kind of like turpentine. It was awful. <laughs> 14 bucks. But anyway, so I remember that. You know what else I remember? This guy's name was Stan Nelson, the guy who had rented the suite. And we're walking around New York City and we're talking. And this guy was probably in his 40s, really old. (laughs) Do you know what I remember the most about Stan Nelson? He would just be talking and there would be scripture in his conversation. That really struck me. I was a preacher's kid. I'd grown up all around the ministry. I'd been to Bible college, all this stuff. My language did not include Scripture the way that Stan Nelson's language included Scripture. You know what I was thinking? Maybe if I do that, I'll get rich like Stan. That would be cool. (laughs) Um, Do you know what he was doing? He was an example in word. That's what I'm talking about. Have your speech include the Word of God. All right, This is going to be a really long sermon if we don't get through this. Guys, quit slowing me down. Ready? So be an example. Letter A in word. B in conversation. In conversation. What's that talking about? That's your lifestyle. 
The way that you live, you, you, and this is that, that same concept. Negatively, you don't behave as the world. Positively, you do behave as a Christian. So, let's say that the kids are getting together for a party and it's going to be on Sunday. And you say, I, I'm going to church. What is that? That's your lifestyle. That's your lifestyle. When you take a stand for the Lord, when the other kids are getting together after a game and they're going to drink. They're going to drink something that they shouldn't drink. How many of you understand that there's booze around ball games in Shelby County? How many of you understand that? Mercer County and Logan County. and Did anybody, anybody doubt that there's booze around those sports teams? Anyone doubt that? This is where you godly kids, you have a lifestyle that says, I'm not going to do that. Amen? Amen. Amen? I'm not going to do that. What is that? You're an example in your conversation, in your lifestyle, but not only in your lifestyle, but in your charity. Next, charity. Charity. What is charity? Charity is love that gives. Love that gives. I'll give you an example of this. When I was a kid... Um, my parents had moved to Indiana my senior year of high school. And so I stayed with my brother, who's just a year and a half older than I am. And so my folks had moved to Indiana. They were really struggling financially to get established. Dad was going to begin traveling in evangelism. And I was going to play baseball. My ball glove was worn out, and I didn't have any spikes. All right? And the... The idea of actually just going and buying a new ball glove and spikes, that was beyond my ability to do. Um, how many of you, as you adults, that that's kind of the way you grew up? That the idea of actually having that money, it's, you young people look around, you folks hold your hands up. You young people don't understand this because when it comes time for sports, your folks go and get you the stuff that you need for the sports. Many of us didn't grow up like that. There, wasn't the, there weren't the funds to do that. And some of you young people may be in that situation right now. But here's what I remember. I wanted to play baseball. I had played baseball before, but I had outgrown my stuff. And um, My brother came walking in with a new baseball glove and a pair of spikes. He had a job a little bit older than me. And my brother, who's just a year older than me, he bought me my ball glove and spikes. Now, I know you young people think, so whatever, big deal. Now, you don't understand how big that was for me. That was huge. I've never forgotten it. And that's the way my brother treated me. So now, as adults, when I'm with my brother, he's not allowed to buy a meal. You know, He helped me get my first car, he, all of those things. Um, what is that? That's love that gives. That's charity. You, you young people, you go to school with kids who don't have much. You know, you, let's say that you're playing on a sports team and you're at an away game and you're with this kid and y'all are sitting there eating pizza and your friend is sitting there, he doesn't have anything. And he's too proud to say he doesn't have money to help get pizza. What should you do? Share yours. That's charity. It's love that gives. It's being aware of what's going on with the people around you. It's so important that you get that charity. Young people, be, be different in that. Don't be selfish. Be charitable. Then letter D, letter D, be an example in spirit, in spirit. Now, this is huge. This is huge because 
generally speaking, this is the spirit of a young person. Can everybody see me? Here. Pretty good. Here's the spirit of a young person. If y'all could see this right here, I'm just telling you, you don't know that's what you look like. That is what you look like. You have a teacher that is a jerk. Has that ever happened before? And I had one. Mrs. Wells, fourth grade. She was terrible. Um, but I'm not bitter. You are supposed to be different. When the other kids are complaining or responding negatively, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to obey and have a good attitude. Teacher tells you to do something, <laughs> whatever. How many of you think that's the kind of spirit that the scriptures are talking about right here? You think? You're supposed to be different in your spirit. Why? Here's what the Bible says you have the spirit of Christ. If you're saved, if you're born again, if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ alone, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And that Holy Spirit is what's supposed to come out, not your spirit, not the spirit of man, but the Holy Spirit of God. You're supposed to have a different spirit, a different kind of attitude, a different, you're supposed to bring a different atmosphere to the room than the lost people do. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool that you can do that. You're an example in word, conversation, charity, spirit, letter E, in faith. In faith. What is faith? Substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Faith is belief in God and what God has required of you. You believe God. Um, do you know you young people? There might be someone in your class, their, their mom and dad have problems while you're in school. And they talk to you about it. That, that happened with me. Uh, there might be a time where someone has a parent who commits suicide. And now you, as a, as a high schooler, are dealing with a friend whose parent has just killed themselves. What are you supposed to have? You're supposed to have faith. You're supposed to have faith that what God has said about that young person's life is true. And you can bring hope. That happened to me. I was in college. That happened to me with a friend. That's happened to people in this room. They've had to deal with that as high schoolers. As high schoolers. Be an example. Be an example in word, conversation, charity, faith. And then look at letter F there. Purity. Purity. And all of this is in... Verse 12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So you young people, how can you be an example in purity? How can you be an example in purity? You guys, what jokes do you tell and, and laugh at? Are they pure? Or are they clean? Or are they dirty? Pure. Pure. You young ladies, what jokes, what conversations do you get involved in? Uh, you young ladies especially, how do you dress? Pure. Are you an example of purity in your clothing? Are you an example of purity in your conversation? You know, I'll tell you something that happened. That it, was, it was good for me. I, I, um, my kids were playing in a piano recital 
and the Sydney band was there playing. And the Sydney band, the kids had dressed up, and I saw the way the girls in the band were dressed. All right? And the, many of them were very immodest. All right? And this, this struck me. Our girls are looking at those girls, and they're not dressing like that. Praise the Lord. Right? It doesn't mean that you look down on them or you're mean to them or you're ugly. We've already covered that in the way you're supposed to behave. Is that right? All right? But the comparison to those girls is not purity. Modesty is not, I am less immodest than that girl. Modesty is, I'm not wearing anything that draws attention to my body. Whether it's revealing or tight or whatever, we're talking about purity. Purity is something that would not cause a, a man to look at you in a way that, you, that he shouldn't. Now, we have a weird thing in our society, and that is, well, just don't look. Well, that's true. You guys don't look. Do a good job of controlling what you look at. Like Job talked about, make a covenant with your eyes. All right? That's all good. But girls don't dress that way for the guys not to look at them. Is that right? So be pure, be pure, be pure. And then, of course, that's, that's in your, your jokes, in your conversation, in your, uh, in your clothing. And then, of course, in your behavior. Guys and girls, just, just don't touch each other. Amen? It's really simple. It's very difficult to get pregnant if you don't touch someone of the opposite sex. It's true. Roman numeral number two. So number one, be determined. Number one, be determined. Number two, be prepared. Be prepared. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Letter A, reading, exhortation, and doctrine. Reading, exhortation, and doctrine. Number one, reading. Begin each day with Scripture. Read the Bible and other books that will help you stand. Begin each day with Scripture. Read the Bible and other books that will help you to stand. Young people, you're not going to have an answer if you've not prepared the answer ahead of time. Think about it. Think about it. Look at um, number two. Number one, reading. Number two, exhortation. Exhortation. Begin asking yourself questions that others may ask you. Begin asking yourself questions that others may ask you. Letter A, prepare an answer. Prepare an answer. Young people, let me give you an example. Why are you a Christian? You know, somebody might ask you that. Why are you a Christian? Well, because my parents are Christians. Really? You're going to go to heaven because your parents are going to heaven? How many of you understand that nobody has ever gone to heaven because their dad went to heaven? How many of you understand that? You go to heaven because Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. Why are you a Christian? What's the answer? Because Jesus Christ is my Savior. Because I got saved. Let me tell you how I got saved. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Isn't that different? It's a huge... If you ask most of the kids in Sydney, why are you a Christian? They'll say, because I was baptized when I was a baby. Am I right? Yeah, that, that's not a Christian. That's a wet baby. Right? 
And so you young people, that's the type of thing. Why don't you drink alcohol? Why don't you drink beer? Jacob said, I do. No. <laughs> Takes after his mother again. It's terrible. Um, why don't I drink beer? Well, because my dad won't let me. Oh, you would if your dad would let you? How many of you, don't you wish the beer commercials showed what Josh Divens gets to see every day? They're not in the commercials, are they? No. Why don't I drink? Because it doesn't honor the Lord. The Bible says abstain from strong drink. So I don't drink. See what I mean? Have an answer. Have an answer. Why doesn't your dad let you stay out all night? I love this answer. Because he loves me. You saying my dad doesn't love me? I don't know. I know my dad loves me and won't let me stay out all night. Uh, I will say this. Laura's dad did this. It was really cool. She was invited to a party or something that um, her dad didn't think was a good idea. And he, he said, blame me. Isn't that good? Blame me. Didn't you have a friend actually call him? He just laughed. <laughs> and it's so good that you parents help your kids that way. Right? But you young people have an answer. Be, be ready. Number two, so number two, that's ex- exhortation. Begin asking yourself questions that others may ask you. Letter A, prepare an answer. Letter B, this will help you exhort. And what is exhorting? Encourage toward righteousness. This will help you encourage toward righteousness. This will help you encourage your friends toward righteousness. So let me read letter B for you. This will help you exhort, encourage toward righteousness, your friends. It'll help you to exhort your friends at being ready. Then letter number, Roman number <laughs> number three, doctrine. Doctrine. God's truth and God's words. Be an example in doctrine. God's truth in God's words. Learn what you believe. Be prepared. Okay, so this is, this is for you Christian school kids too. So you, have, you go to school with a friend. This happened to me. I was in a Christian school. And I had friends who didn't believe in eternal security. So when I was in, I don't know, ninth grade or 10th grade, I did this big, long study on eternal security. And mo- if you asked me a question today about eternal security, most of the answers I, give you, I'll, I would give you, I learned when I was in ninth or 10th grade to answer these friends who didn't believe in eternal security. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Amen? Amen? That's, that's being committed to doctrine. Be prepared. Then, letter, letter B. Letter B. This is so important. Begin each day with prayer. Begin each day with prayer. Number one, you young people, don't gasp at this. Get up 15 minutes earlier. Get up 15 minutes earlier. All right? So get up. And then here's here's some things to pray for. How many of you, especially you young people, you say, I'm going to pray. And you get down to pray... And you pray for about a minute, and you've pretty much prayed for everything you can think of. Honestly, how many of you that's ever happened to you? Right? It happens to me. I'm get Lord, I was going to, okay, I like that car, and I'm going to um, get to work today. Oh, Lord, and I'm going to give you something that will help you with that. That's what this list is. Look at your list. All right? Pray, letter A, for God's help, wisdom, and power. Pray for God's help, wisdom, and power. 
there's a chance you will be confronted with evil that day. Whether it's from one of your friends or someone who's not a friend, or it could be something in the school curriculum that, that, that disagrees with what God says. Uh, you could be going to a public school and you walk into a class and all of a sudden it's sex education, and they're going to be talking about stuff that you know a believer should not be involved in, that conversation. Do you know that that happens in, in our schools? You all need to understand that. Your parents, I hope your parents know that. Um, so you walk into the class, and here's what... what and I don't know that our school district does it. I don't know. Um, they will try to sneak some stuff past parents. Well, you as a young person, you walk into that class, they start talking about that. Uh, Mrs. Smith, and I'm just, if you have a Mrs. Smith, I'm not talking about her, okay? <laughs> Mrs. Smith, um, I'm sorry, I need to not be in this class right now. Take your stand. Take your stand. You're going to catch some grief for that. I did. When I was in high school, I did. You're going to catch... It's okay. It all passes. Um, all right. So, pray for God's help, wisdom, and power. Let her be. Pray for your teachers. Pray for your teachers. Number one, if they are saved, they need God's help to help you. Pray for your teachers. See, what you young people don't understand is when you walk into that classroom, you have no idea what that teacher has already been through that day. You don't know. They may have already had a conflict with the principal. They may have already had a conflict with another teacher. Uh, if you have a male teacher, he may have had a fight with his wife or a, a, a lady, her husband's leaving her. You don't have any idea what's going on in your teacher's life. Pray for them. Pray for them. If they're saved, they need God's help to help you. And then number two, if they're not, you may be able to lead them to the Lord. Do you know that students have led teachers to the Lord? That's awesome. That's awesome. Pray for your teachers. Let her see. Let her see. Pray for your parents who love you. Pray for your parents who love you. Do you know what that's going to help you do when your parents give you instructions as you leave? Because you've already prayed for them and acknowledged that they love you, that'll help you receive their instruction with a better spirit. Pray for them. Pray for them. They love you. Pray for your pastors who love you and teach you. You know what's really cool? When you're going through something at school, you've prayed for Pastor Nathan, and on that next Wednesday night, Pastor Nathan is actually dealing with that problem that you've had at school. You know that that happens? God answers prayers that way. Pray. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your pastors. They love you and they teach you. Then letter E, pray for your friends. Pray for your friends saved and lost. I've talked about Nathan Arling a little bit. I know Nathan has some Christian friends at school. Nathan, pray for those guys. Pray for them before you go to school. Pray for them. So important. This is so important. You don't have any idea what pressure is on that kid right then to fall. Those of you who went to camp, remember Brother Pope talked about his son wanting to go off to this band thing. And there was going to be a, a situation with a girl that he was really tempted to follow through on. The Lord spoke to his dad and his dad that morning said, you know what? 
you're not going on the trip. The son said, thanks, Dad. See, you don't have any idea what your friends are going through. Pray for them. And then friends that are lost, here's what you guys need to understand. That kid sitting next to you in class, if they're not saved, they're going to hell. They're going to hell. There's a really good chance that someone at your school will die this year. Wade, does it happen every year or almost every year? Often. Often. There's a good chance one of your, somebody that you know will die. Are they saved? If they're not, you might be the only person that can ever give them the gospel. Pray for them. Pray for them. Then, letter F, pray for opportunities to engage. Pray for opportunities to engage. Lord, help me to be a witness today. Help me to take a stand for you today. Help me to not engage in something bad today. Help me to have the right spirit and the right attitude today. Pray for opportunities to engage. Number three, Roman number number three, be thankful. Be thankful. I really believe that thankfulness is the cure for almost everything. Be thankful. Letter A, be thankful to God and your parents who love you. Be thankful. Letter B, be thankful you get to live in the greatest country in the world. Be thankful for that. Letter C, be thankful you've been given a ministry. You have been given a ministry of reconciliation according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Be thankful that you've been given a ministry. Roman numeral number 4. Be bold. Be bold. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine... Look at verse 14. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. Letter A, you are gifted. You are gifted. you, you got to get this. God, and I, you young people, I know that you, I, I believe all of you are saved that I know, all of you that I know, you're saved. Okay? Well, that means that God has gifted you for ministry. So be bold. Do something for God at school. Be different than the other kids. You are enabled. God has given you the ability to do stuff. I remember um, I was in sixth grade. We lived in Wallingford, Connecticut, and we had our testing. You know, you got to fill in the little circles. You know, you probably use a computer now, but we had to fill in the little circles. We got done with the test, and it was my first year in that school. I'd started in this class. We take the test the next day or whatever. Say, uh, Mr. Alter, get your stuff. I thought I was in trouble. They moved me over to the smart kid class. And I remember thinking this. I'm smart? <laughs> now, if my brother was there, he'd say, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was happening? I, I started to learn that God had gifted me with a good mind. I didn't know that. You need to understand that God has gifted you. You might not even recognize it. And that's why God has given you a good youth director. God's given you good parents. God's given you a pastor. God's given you Christian friends to push you into those things that you can do. Right? Who recognize your giftedness. Be bold. Why? Because you're gifted. God has given you the ability to do certain things. Well, use those gifts. Don't waste them. You're gifted. Then let her be. You're called. You're called. 
Jay, are you saved? Well, then God has called you for service where you are. So at school, you're called. You're gifted. You're called. All of a sudden, the message gets different when you say, Becca, you're called. Not to the principal's office. That's last week. This is, you're called. You're called. You're gifted. God has given you unique abilities to use for Him. Be bold. Be bold in that. Amen? Be bold in it. Oh, I love this. Letter C. You are necessary. Don't think someone else is going to do it. You have giftedness and a calling and an opportunity that no one else has. You. You have the opportunity to make a difference. I was a senior in high school. My parents had moved to uh, Indiana. I mentioned that earlier. I got a job at Kinney Shoe Store at Lockport Mall, Lockport, New York. And it was the, the book, The Late Great Planet Earth, the Earth had come out in the movie. And so there were some people talking about that, and they didn't understand it. So I sat, I'm a senior in high school. So I sat at the ice cream bar there, got a fribble. God was certainly in that. It's a chocolate shake. Okay, fribble. And I took out a piece of paper and I drew out the timeline. The rapture, the tribulation period, the millennium. And I talked about all that. And then I gave them the gospel. Four people got saved that day. Senior in high school. These are adults. These are grown-ups. I'm a kid. I give them the gospel. I was pastor here. And one of our people had traveled up to Canada, had visited a church in Canada. I can't. You might be in here. I don't remember who it was. And they said, Tim Pratt said to say hello. I said, no way. Where'd you meet him? And he said, he was the assistant pastor at the church we went to. He's one of the guys that got saved at Friendly's that day when I was a senior in high school. Who else at Lockport Mall in 1980 was going to give Tim Pratt the gospel? Nobody. Do you know what happened? I was gifted, I was called, and I was necessary. You guys need to make sure that you fill your role. Do what you're supposed to do. Letter D, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. Nick often talks about John Bruce over with the football team at Anna. John's making a difference. He's making a difference in those young men's lives. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. Letter E, if you're coasting, you're going downhill. If you're coasting, you're going downhill. No one ever got stronger by sitting. Amen? You've got to work hard to get stronger in your Christian faith. If you're just coasting, you're going downhill. Number five, be aware. Number five, be aware. Aware. Look at verse 16. Take heed to thyself and unto the doctrine. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. I want you to notice something. Be aware. Number or letter A. Letter A. I am weak. I am weak. I need the Lord. 
This is your awareness. You need to understand. Let him that thinketh he is strong take heed lest he fall. I think I misquoted it, but you, you understand. If you, are, if you think that you're strong, you're not. You're not. Take heed to yourself. That's what Paul told Timothy. Take heed to yourself. Look, be aware of yourself. I'm weak. I need the Lord. Letter B, I am armed. <laughs> Imagine telling your teachers that. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I am armed. I know doctrine. I am armed. I know doctrine. I'm armed. I know doctrine. Do you know what you believe? See, that helps you to stand, doesn't it? It helps you to stand. I'm weak. I need the Lord. I'm armed. I know doctrine. Let her see. I am committed. I will continue. I am committed. I will continue. I'm not going to mess up with that girl. I'm not going to mess up with that boy. I'm not going to lose my temper. I'm not going to be disrespectful to my teacher. I'm going to have a different kind of spirit. The kid that doesn't have much, I'm going to reach out to him and try and help him. I'm going to be different. I will continue. I'm committed. Letter D. I am engaged for a purpose. I am engaged for a purpose. What's the purpose? Save myself and those that hear me. Save myself and those that hear me. Look at that verse again. Verse 16. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now look. Jesus Christ is the Savior. You understand that, right? But by, by considering who you are and being committed to doctrine, that keeps you from destroying your life. And imagine a kid that will have a horrible life, but he meets you. She meets you. And because she meets you, now she gets to have a great life. I wonder what happened to Tim Pratt if some skinny, weird-looking kid in high school hadn't given him the gospel. Now, obviously, I've overcome the skinniness. Weirdness, I don't know. Let's look at that last point again. I am engaged for a purpose. Save myself and those that hear me. All right, you young people, look at me. Do you understand that you have a purpose? Do you understand that you're gifted? Do you understand that you have a calling? Do you understand that you're necessary? Are you engaged or are you entangled? Are you going to make a difference in your school this year? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father,